scripture reading this morning will be from Luke 2, verses 1 to 20, which is found on page 1590. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord... that ha- or." <coughs> Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Our text is out of that uh, response of the angels that says, glory to God in the highest. We want to give glory to God. That's as we enter into Christmas, as we prepare the way for this Christmas again to touch our hearts, to, to really draw us closer to our God, that sense of, of having that glory in view, the glory of God. Uh, I don't know, you had it a little bit, I had a little bit when Brad turned on the lights, there's a lingering kind of flash, hey? There's a, there's a sense of, wow, that was bright, that was amazing. And, and so the glory of God continue to be bright and amazing in our lives. That's, that's the sense this morning of preparing the way to give God glory. How do we do that? It's nice to just just see it demonstrated. We can sing about it, glory to God. But how do we actually live into that glory? How do we actually, this Christmas season, take hold of it in a more uh, direct, a more, yeah, central way is the question this morning. If we truly see who Jesus is and how he comes to fill everything in every way, God's glory is revealed in Jesus Christ. 
And so if we truly see God's glory in Jesus, then we will overflow with praise and adoration. That's the, the sense of the Christmas story, even as we read it this morning. Even just that familiar story to draw us again to that point of seeing all that God has done and to give Him glory. This morning, I wanted to start by just recognizing out of the reading for today that there are two ways that, that we lose sight of God's glory. There are two things that really interfere with our truly giving God the glory that He deserves. The first is the sense of our own glory gets in the way. The sense of our own, hey, I'm doing pretty good. We can, we can get to thinking quite highly of ourselves. That's just a natural human tendency that we think, yeah, we're definitely pretty good. We're, we're better than others. We're, we're a better church than other churches. We are better people than other people in Lacombe. We, we kind of take that on. That can really become part of, of yeah, a feeling, I'm better than you. I'm better than others. And really, I don't need God that much. You see where the glory disappears? I'm... I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm managing. And, and I do some good things here and, and I help out there and I do some, some nice Christian things in between. And, and aren't I great? And aren't I glorious? And so that tendency, that self-glorification can enter in. And God and Jesus are less recognized we see that here in the Christmas account with the very familiar words of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 begins with someone who has let self-glory go to his head. It's his heart and soul. It's the, the mention here of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. And here's one of the many, many statues that he made of himself. He was the emperor of Rome at this time, he had, by, by various means, I wouldn't say great and glorious means, but by various uh, fairly nasty means, he had drawn the Roman Empire together from a republic of, of various regions, and he had drawn them together into this empire. He had managed to do that with... Uh, different things that, that really fell into place for him. He set up a famous idea, the peace of Rome, Pax Romana, so that this whole area, this whole empire was his bringing peace among all the wars that were there, all the internal conflict. And so he gloried in that. He was the one. Caesar, and then the Senate of Rome bestowed on him the title Augustus. So he was initially Caesar, but then he took on, was given and took on the sense Caesar Augustus August, exalted, 
high above all others. And the Jewish commentary in this regard clearly points out that that has overtones of divinity, Caesar the God, who brings peace on earth and goodwill to man. And that sense of, of Caesar glorifying himself, no glory to the true God, and actually the reality of his being very uh, greedy and, and very uh, much... Uh, an uncaring kind of ruler, uh, when it says in Luke 2 verse 1, he brought a degree that the entire empire should be taxed so that he can have more money, so that he can control more and, and just glorify himself more. And so that decree went out, forcing people to travel, very uh, difficult circumstances through it all. Caesar taking more again through the senses of the crops that people grew, of the work that they did, just everywhere seeking to glorify himself. No place for God. That, that is the initial picture of someone who has let that self-glory take over. And there is no glory of God in that. Now that's, that's at, at a higher level in a sense, but still that's that, that human tendency in all of us. On the other side, along with Caesar, uh, at the uh, highest level, there's also... God is often not glorified at the lowest level. And so in the Christmas story, in the story of Luke 2, you have Caesar, starts with Caesar, but then it moves, it moves right away to Nazareth. Luke 2 verse 4. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth. And you have to recognize right away the words that Nathaniel speaks when he is approached by uh, his brother Andrew to be a disciple of Jesus later in the Gospels, and then Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is the lowest uh, town in Israel. Nazareth is, is no glory there. There's no glory of God there. There's no work of God there. We might think too, if living in this region, think too of maybe, yeah, uh, the, the town of Hobima, the Macrosis. You say, well, there's no glory there. That's, that's the lowest. That's that kind of sense, but even worse, Nazareth, no glory there. And then it moves in the story to this couple, Mary and Joseph. And it says very uh, strikingly, uh, very much, uh, it's the reality of the case, but it says in relation to Joseph, he went to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Well, well they are obviously not a, a godly couple. There's no glory there. They're not a couple who's expecting uh, to marry soon and then have children, which is the godly order of things, the normal order of things. You get married, then you have children. If you are expecting and not married, that's... Compared to all the other couples who do it right, you're doing it wrong. There's no glory for you. There's no glory of God there. When you're, when you're low, 
in the lowest, there's no glory. And then the reality that they are poor. They are very poor. The suggestion of, of some of the Christmas stories is that, that Joseph and Mary made their way and Mary rode on a donkey and they made their way to Bethlehem from Nazareth. But that's not what it says. There is, there is no donkey in the picture. A donkey is like uh, having a car in our day. Not everyone can afford a car. Not everyone can afford to buy and maintain and insure a vehicle. They're poor. Mary and Joseph don't have a car. They don't have a donkey. They are walking. They are walking the 80 miles, the 130 kilometers. They're walking from here to Calgary to register because Caesar said they have to. And there's no glory in that. And there's several ways to make it. To the actual, if you, if you think about the Israel itself, and Nazareth is, is central in the north, and Bethlehem is central in the south, and it's all rugged hills in between. And if, if they had more money, had, had more time, they could make their way around. There were smoother ways of going, but it would take longer, and that would be more food and more money. And they just walked straight up and down hills, rugged country, Mary pregnant. Where is the glory of God in that? God is not there. It's difficult, very difficult. And in the difficulties, it's difficult to glorify God. And so that's very much part of the picture here. Also, in the minds of those who first heard this, they would understand that between Nazareth and Bethlehem, verse 4, he went from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem in Judea. And between there, between those two places is Samaria. And there's a hostility. Like there's different regions. And the region of Samaria lies between there. And they would have to go through Samaria. And those in Samaria were not happy to see these people come and move through their land. They wouldn't give them water. They wouldn't give them food. They wouldn't let them shelter. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't nice. It was dangerous. And so the whole picture of, of Mary and Joseph having nothing, very lowly in a dangerous world, there is no peace of Rome for them. They are struggling. And even when they get to Bethlehem, when it says there's no place to stay. Yeah, it was full, but they had no money to pay for anything. They were among the poorest of the poor. And so there was no place for them. And where's the glory in that? Where is God in that? God, we need a place. There's no place. And there they end up. So if, if we find ourselves at the very lowest also, we, human beings, tend to say, ah, there's no glory. What's, what's this God doing? So you have, you have that reality very much in the, the story of Christmas as well. So we need to realize, and I want you to see this morning, the story itself, the Christmas story, defines that struggle with both. Struggle with giving God the glory when, when we feel we are so glorious ourselves, when we are doing well, and the struggle to give God the glory 
When we realize, too, that we are so lowly and that we have nothing to give him glory for, that feeling. But you need to notice what happens in the Christmas story. God brings his glory to the highest and to the lowest. So this morning to see his glory in the highest and in the lowest. And it's, it's beautifully presented here. The story moves. We, we have Caesar as the initial example of the highest. And we have Mary and Joseph as the initial example of the lowest. Then, then notice what happens in the story. We get higher and we go lower. So in the story, as it unfolds, we initially hear, yes, there's Caesar, there's Mary and Joseph. And then verse 8, it changes. We're changing. Where are we going? We're going lower. We're going lower than poor Mary and Joseph. It says they were shepherds living out in the field. Shepherds are poor, but shepherds are also considered dishonest. Shepherds are also considered untrustworthy. Shepherds are always working with animals and things and dead animals too. One dies. And whenever they did that, they became unclean and they couldn't go to the to the temple to worship God. They were not allowed to come into the temple and be worshipers of God. They were not allowed to speak in terms of, of a trusted uh, situation. If they were a witness to some kind of crime, they would not be allowed to testify. Say, I saw it and you can trust what I say. No, they weren't trusted. And so they are, are even outside. Mary and Joseph could bring Jesus to be circumcised. They could bring him to the temple. They could meet Anna and Simeon. But the shepherds couldn't. They weren't allowed to come in. They were lower. No glory there at all. Uneducated, uncultured, uncouth. They were the rough characters. They were religious outsiders. And so the story moves to those who are even lower... And at the very same time, verse 9, the angels, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. What? To them? The Lord should have nothing to do with them. An angel, an angel of the Lord, higher than Caesar Augustus. Who's higher than a Roman Empire? An angel. This is an angel of God, those who stand in the presence of God. We looked two weeks ago in the evening, we had a service, and we thought about angels. We, we reflected on angels and thought too. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1 and 10, talks about the angels, glorious, wings and eyes and glory and, and strength and magnificent, high. Exalted, Augustus, the angels, the highest in the heavens. Spiritual beings, more august than Caesar Augustus, so much greater. And notice what they do. They do not claim glory on their own. They 
honor and glorify and praise God. They are giving glory to God, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. They are high and focusing on what God has done. Why? Because the peace of Rome, Pax Romana, verse 14, on earth, peace. Peace on earth. Peace with God. Peace with one another. Glorious work of God. Glorious work that deserves all honor and praise. So they, as higher, bring that glory. The shepherds, as lower, bring that glory. Verse 20, at the end of our reading, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. So glory comes to those who are even higher, and glory comes to those who are even lower. That's how the story unfolds. You have Caesar, and you have Mary and Joseph. And then above Caesar, you have the angels. And below Mary and Joseph, you have the shepherds. That's definitely, actually, specifically what the story is getting at in that particular regard. The glory of God comes to those who are high and those who are low. There's one final thing that you need to see here. You have that reality of Caesar and Joseph and Mary. You have more the spiritual reality of the angels and then the, the shepherds who, who respond, giving glory to God. At the very center... Verse 11, that, that very central truth, the glory of God is in Jesus Christ. A Savior has been born to you, Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. And you and I need to realize we have this Caesar, we have the angels, and even higher, the very highest, Jesus, true God. There is none higher. The glorious Jesus Christ lays aside his crown and moves all the way down, past Mary and Joseph, past the shepherds, lower yet, to the baby in the manger. If you think about a mother who is so distraught that she would th throw her baby in a dumpster and walk away, say, that's, that's low. That's tough. There's no glory of God there. This is like a baby in a dumpster. Jesus in a dirty shed, in a dirty manger. No, no glory there. No, no hope of anything. If this child survives, that would be amazing. You have to see it. It's the lowest. This is just pitiful. This is the end. 
Jesus from the very highest to the very lowest brings the glory of God. The glory of God is revealed all through that. The highest to the lowest. That's the story before us. That's the reality of God coming into this world in Jesus Christ. Glory of God comes through the very highest Jesus, the Son of God, to the very lowest. This child to these very poor people with shepherds around them in a manger there. And to recognize what God is doing, for us to recognize that this morning, for us to see that calls us to give glory to God, calls us to offer our worship. No matter where we see ourselves, where are we? You think of yourself quite highly. You think of yourself hard, hard times. The Savior comes to each of us. This is a defining moment for each of our lives to see God's grace in Jesus, to receive his love, to believe in him. No matter where we are in this life is to have peace with God. That's peace with God, true peace. A God who comes to us and confronts us with our need when we feel we are so high and a God who comes to us when we know our struggles, when we're so low. And he enters in. He draws near. He lifts us up to give glory to him. Our faith in Jesus, bringing those who feel they are high, bringing those who feel they are so low, into the very presence of God. This is the good news. This is the good news that comes to you and me again this Christmas. And as we celebrate, we might feel that we are too worthy to bother with it much. Bother with it. We might feel we are too unworthy to hope that it's really for us. See again. It is really for us. We need to see Jesus at the center and give glory to God and let that truth open the way for Jesus to truly come to us again this Christmas and to receive him as the Lord of your life. Let's pray together.